0: Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past
1: and present. Hey, everyone, it's Rebecca. We're coming up on our annual meeting in May. And that's important because ACHS is a member driven organization. That means members control and direct the organization. Members have a voice in governance issues like bylaw changes or adopting a strategic plan. They also decide who is on the board of directors by a mail-in ballot in April. Members also decide who's on the board of directors because only members can run for that position. By joining ACHS as a member, not only are you supporting us financially, you receive our newsletter every other month and a few other perks. The big reason though, you send a message that local history is important. That preservation of our community story is valid and vital. If you enjoy this podcast and other programs we provide, research opportunities, and our exhibit, let us know by becoming a member. We'll send you a ballot in April and an invite to our annual meeting, which will feature a presentation on Mapping Prejudice by the U of M. Thanks. Our podcast today is about Valentine's Day. Do you remember giving out Valentine's in elementary school? we always had white paper bags to decorate with little hearts made from construction paper. The cool kids layered them so there was multiple colors of pink, white, and red in various sizes of hearts on the bag. The ones who just wanted to get it done, like me, just cut out a few wobbly orbs and stuck them on the front. My mom wasn't the type of person to go out and buy valentines for me to write everyone's name on, so at home I ended up making them from white paper for my entire class. Every year. I highly doubt anyone realized how much pain and agony went into those valentines. They looked at it and likely chucked them in the trash. By the time we got to junior high and high school, some school group was always selling carnations, and of course it turned into a big popularity contest of who got the biggest bouquet in first hour when they were all delivered. I usually got one because my friend Lisa was thoughtful, and that's okay. I've grown into an adult who harbors no resentment for the holiday whatsoever. Honest. However you celebrated last week, this holiday has a long and interesting past. Believe it or not, it wasn't always as commercialized or marketed for romantic partners. Sarah will tell you more about that right away. Enjoy. I think our official. Thank you so much
0: for coming and helping us digitize our programs here at the Anoka County Historical Society On this beautiful February day, awesome, (laughs) we are here to preemptively talk about Valentine's Day, right? It's billed as the day of love and all things romance. But where did the hearts and the cupids and all of this come from? And how did people in this area celebrate it? People in you know county we were celebrating Valentine's Day, engaging with it long before the Hallmark company came <laughs> along and the commercialization of everything. So, we're going to dive into a little bit of the history and then a lot of what we can figure out about how people in this area were celebrating the day. So, first, super fast, condensed history, Valentine's Day in a nutshell. Here we go. The origins are a bit marky. Uh, many histories of the day trace the origin back to ancient Rome and a festival from February 13th to 15th. Mm-hmm. Romans celebrated the Feast of Lupercalia. Apparently during the festival, men sacrificed animals, and generally a goat and a dog, and then whipped the women from the hides from these animals. Alcohol flowed freely. That is very important and participants were often drunk and naked throughout, so you do you. (laughs) (laughs) The festivities continued with a matchmaking lottery, and men drew women's names from the jar, and you had the choice to spend the evening with them, or perhaps forever with them. Uh, This early multi-day Roman festival was for couples and coupling. And it doesn't look too much like our modern celebrations, except it kind of falls over Valentine's day as we know it. And it wasn't called that yet. Uh, the Romans are also responsible for the name just a little bit later. The confusion also happens because there may have been two people called Valentine in the third century AD. And both of them were beheaded by Emperor Claudius II. So we have two Valentines that could have been the namesake. They're both beheaded by this guy. So we can't exactly know for sure. The traditional story is that Valentine was a priest during the reign of Emperor Claudius II in around 269 AD. Uh, Supposedly, the emperor banned marriage, reasoning that single men were better soldiers than married ones. And Valentine was on the side of love rather than water, and stood up against this. Uh, And he performed the sacrament of matrimony for people. And in standing up for this, he was imprisoned, and later beheaded, and then called a saint by the Catholic Church for his devotion to love, love of God, and the holy sacraments. By the end of the fifth century, uh, Pope Galatius I declared the 14th of February Saint Valentine's Day in this human's honor. The Roman Catholic Church recognized the Feast of St. Valentine's in its liturgical calendar until 1969. And it was then removed uh, for inconclusive sainthood. So, Mm -hmm. apologize to St. Valentine's here. He's no longer official. The day thrived, and people were celebrating it in different ways. But, however, Anokans, people around here, celebrating, or at least marking the day. Where do you even start researching something like that? Uh, How do we know? Really easy way to see what people were talking about is the newspapers. right? That's where people are getting their news. It's where they're getting their gossip. It's where the, the Facebook and social media of the day is there as well. And it's a relatively easy research goal. Because we're talking about Valentine's Day, they're not going to be um, preparing or putting in the newspaper plans for Valentine's Day in August. So I don't have to look through the entire year's worth of issues. You can concentrate in the weeks leading up to the day, and maybe a couple of issues after the day as well, just to really hedge your best say. We have a number of local newspapers on microfilm here at the museum ones that are not digitized anywhere, so you have to go through them manually. Um, loading up the film and looking through it is one of my favorite activities. We have them dating back to the 1860s, and it's really fun to look through them. The earliest mention of the holiday that we were able to find in a local paper is from 1869, where it's remarked that the holiday is a popular one. Thanks. <laughs> okay. In some years, the mentions are very brief. Valentine's Day occurs next Monday, or it happened last Tuesday. That might be the only mention of it at all. Slowly, the day starts to gather a little bit more space. Uh, By 1877, we found a little notice that said, Valentine's Day is close at hand, and soon the post office will be bothered by the missives. Somebody has an opinion there. Again, they commented, Valentine's Day was generally observed. That's so vague. I want more details, right? We, we know from the newspaper and those little blurbs that people are talking about and doing things, we don't quite know what if they don't describe it any further. They're almost throwaway notices because it's just so normal, they don't have to talk about it, right? But it apparently remained popular over time. And even during the Great Depression, where you think that maybe something like um, Valentine's Day would be extraneous, people are still celebrating it. It's something that was still accessible to them, even though people didn't quite have as much money as they did before in the Depression. Uh, They commented on it. 1935, they said that there is no decrease in the interest manifested on Valentine's Day. And that was fully demonstrated in Anoka this month. So despite the hardships, they're still participating. And of course, the holiday remains popular. What do you immediately associate with Valentine's Day? When, when, the, when the day comes up, you're like, I need to make sure I get a card, flowers, oh. yeah. <laughs> flowers. Yeah. Well, they were doing some of those things over time, but not all at once. And we'll kind of take them in pieces and look at how those pieces were coming into play locally. So our first is the card. It has to be a card. Love, this is a card from our collection from around the 1930s. They're so cute. The types of cards are changing over the years. In the 1870s, uh, we get a little bit more detail, like comic and sentimental cards are coming in. Uh, In 1885, I love this, uh, the newspaper said, lovers are seeking a delicate little affair composed with lace and flowers with the sweet love verse hidden beneath, which is intended to whisper to the fair receiver, you are my dearest dear. Children of all ages eagerly look for a nice Valentine for mama, sister, or perhaps a little friend at school. So instead of couples, Valentine's that can be given to anybody, right? So it's not just for your significant other. We have a different type of Valentine that was definitely being shown around. Have you heard of vinegar Valentine's before? Nope. They're not the nicest. They're mixed in with the regular cards. And these are definitely being sent in Anoka. We know that because there's a notice in the newspaper that says, there are mixed with the various love messages common to the occasion, the hideous picture meant to be especially suggestive of some human frailty of the body or mind, and was sent purposely to wound the feelings of the receiver. So they're called vinegar valentines. Sometimes people call them penny dreadfuls, but that's um, a reference to a category of literature as well. So vinegar valentines, uh, characters, unpleasant messages, a little trolling, as we might call it today, uh, talking about unwanted affections from people, rhymes of mocked alcoholics, or added uh, with thoughts of bodily harm in extreme cases, which were not nice. Uh, so people, meditate. they're often cheap, not particularly well made. So again, they're not going to be hanging around too often. So these are not part of our collection. We don't have any that we know about officially here. But we know that people are talking about them and they're aware of them, and yet the newspaper is almost of watching out for them, thinking that uh, next Friday is Valentine's Day and we'll be disappointed if we don't get one of the horribles they mentioned in the paper. They were popular from the 1840s all the way to the 1940s and they suffered a dip in popularity. And not everybody thinks they're fun. Uh, one person expressed their opinion to the paper. They said, the very face of such articles, ill-written and misspelled, yes, as they invariably are, always stamp the sender as a cowardly, uncultured person who hails the arrival of St. Valentine's Day as an occasion when they can, undiscovered perhaps, uh, give vent to their petty spites and dislikes. So They have have quite the opinion on, on these. I think of them like online trolls. To, you can send an anonymous valentine that's not very nice and not in the spirit of the day and nobody can trace it back to you. So, they're, when they're not being sent to you, <laughs> they're really fun to look at though. You could send all of the cards and love notes that you want, uh, but you need to get together with your friends, have a party, that's where the action is. We tend to think of Valentine's Day as a couple's thing, but a number of the references that we found are these gatherings of lots of young people coming together or different groups using Valentine's Day as an excuse to have, have their party. Uh, the first party that's explicitly mentioned as a Valentine's Day party is in 1885. The young people of the Universalist Church, uh, the Universalist Society, held a Valentine's Day party at the Merchant's Hotel in New It was located on Second Avenue across from the high school. The, the Merchant's Hotel uh, was one of the few buildings also to escape a huge fire in 1884. So when they're hosting this party in 1885, the city is just rebuilding from that. And this might have been one of the only places where they could hold a large event like that. Other church groups, social groups, the Five Electian Society um, and parties from individuals, they're popping up in the newspapers. They, people want to describe their party and, and announce that it was had. Not that they're invited to it, but that it was had. And you can have the fun vicariously through knowing that we got together and had fun. So two aspects are. Are a little unique to these Valentine's parties and these Anoka gatherings. It almost harkens back to that feast of lubricalia where people are pairing off. There are these lotteries and random pairings of the men and women that are going to them, or the girls and boys going to them. And, you know, decorations appropriate to the holiday. The Universalist Society Party that I just talked about, they had a random drawing to pair up the attendance. Uh, they described the matchup. They said each lady will write her name upon a Valentine, put it and close it in an envelope, and hand, hand it to the committee when they arrive, and then the gentleman will buy a Valentine for 25 cents and then escort the lady whose name that they open in the envelope. So you're not just going with your with your human, you get paired up by this envelope matching. At Gertrude Storm's party, they took a slightly different route. They prepared rhymes ahead of time about the young ladies present. And they were passed some of the gentlemen who, they had to guess who the rhyme was about, and then take that lady as their partner. I'm very disappointed that none of the rhymes exist. That could be a dangerous, uh, dangerous game. Uh, 1905. Uh, Mrs. Green randomly selected partners. by, In the corner of the room, they created this fishing pond, and the young men fished for their partners. Like the girls' names were attached to the fish somehow, and uh, in perhaps the most direct Valentine's Day party-to-marriage like, pipeline that I have seen this 1912 partner matched the couples by having the young men write their requirements for their like, perfect wife on a card. And then the young women did the same thing, and then they were to mingle and like match up those and decide who would be their Valentine that way. So Valentine's Day party or marriage mixture, a little bit of both. Okay. All right, so we got Valentine's Day cards, we got parties. What about gifts? Gift giving. Uh, It doesn't show up right away in the advertisements as something as a go-to of. It's Valentine's Day, here's the accompanying chocolate, here's the accompanying gift. Uh, So while advertisements for flowers and jewelry are out there, they're not tying them specifically to Valentine's Day for a while. As we move into the 20th century, though, that starts to change. So by 1913, mm-hmm. stores are specifically saying, "To your Valentine, your choice of violets, delivered to any part of the city, <laughs> from the Anoka Greenhouse Company." Uh, they were choosing to advertise that. Interesting that it was your choice of violets, so it wasn't it wasn't roses as the default. Uh, by 1915, the fair store, which is like a variety store locally, was advertising valentines times and candy together in the same ad. So starting to think that they're, they're specifically linked. If you have a card, you need candy. If you have a card, you need flowers. Um, so spend a little bit more in our business. Yeah. Our final biggest Valentine that we have in the collection here at Anoka. Historical Society is actually in this room. The Philolectian Society was a group of women that founded basically a a social club in 1890 and one of their desires was to have a library, a proper one, in the city of Winoka. They were successful and there was a library on, on Main Street and but they needed a larger library. And eventually, the town wrote to Andrew Carnegie, and a Carnegie library was built in 1904. Since the Philoleptians were instrumental in bringing and getting a library established in the city of Anoka, the library building dedicated a room to them to acknowledge it as the Philoleptian Hall in that building. And on February 14th of 1905, they decided to have a Valentine's Day party there. The, the library had just opened up, and the newspaper said the, the, reported on the crowds that attended this party. They said, seldom has Inoka seen a more pretty and pleasant function than was that last night. They even dedicated three columns just to reprinting Mrs. Gow's speech. She was the president of the Five Elections at the time. And she focuses in that speech about how they have supported the library and proudly announced that they want to give a Valentine to the library because it's on Valentine's Day. They have to. But apparently there are 65 members of the Five at this time, and they couldn't decide on what Valentine to give. So they settled that they would actually give three different Valentines. So the first one they presented was uh, to prove not only ornamental, but that it would be helpful to the youth, as they shall from time to time visit the library, that they gaze upon the picture of Shakespeare. So the first Valentine is a, a picture of Shakespeare, a painting. That one isn't in the collection. So first, Shakespeare. The second Valentine was a statue of the Greek and Roman goddess Minerva. Third Valentine, they harkened back to a tradition. In that very first library, they had presented a wall clock for their first library on Main Street. They grew out of it. When they moved to the Carnegie Library, the wall clock, while serviceable, felt a little trap. And they thought that this beautiful building needed something a little bit more grand, a little bit more conspicuous. And so they presented to the library a grandfather clock. And we still have it here. When the Carnegie Library was torn down, this building became the city library for Adoga. And the clock made its way from this building to this building. And then when it transferred and became the historical society, it was left behind as an artifact to remember the Philolectian society. the libraries that it had been in, and we keep it in the Philolectian room in their honor. The speech concluded with the hope that Valentines would be appropriate for the library, and that the library board would accept them as worthy. The president of the library board, George H. Goodrich, accepted them with a, a humorous speech. He concluded with a list of other Valentines the library needed such as more pictures, a lawnmower, an automobile, more mother, an easy chair, and green grass. <laughs> so if you want to give you know, the historical society some valentines of paper, or adopting an architect, or uh, other, other things, we wouldn't be opposed to such valentines. We already have a grandfather clock, though. And we don't need a lot more. So no more grandfather clocks, and the city takes care of the grass. So, no luck, Whatever your personal opinion of Valentine's Day, and the fuss that's usually made about, about it, whether or not you celebrate or not, uh, I generally find it an excuse to have a really good meal. It's safe to say that love and the search for a romantic partner, a friend, somebody that you can share in the day, continued throughout the years. My favorite Valentine that we tripped across, though. no offense to the clock, it was a little small one-line notice in 1889 that said E.L. Curiel received a lovely valentine in the shape of a little daughter February 14th. <laughs> Love and valentines in the Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute.
2: Hello everyone, I'm Diana Nurberg, a librarian for Anoka County Library, and I'm here to lovingly deliver your hand-picked selection of fantastic resources from the library. It's the Library Minute! Here we go! First on the list is Candy Isle Crafts Create Fun Projects with Supermarket Sweets by Jody Levine. Separated into four delectable sections—hard candy, gummy candy, marshmallows, and cookies and cereal— this book contains multiple Valentine's Day-worthy treat ideas for your sweetheart. Each creation details the supplies needed and the simple instructions to make them. Next on the list is 100 Simple Paper Flowers by Kelsey Elam. Instead of giving traditional flowers, which wilt and die, learn to make paper flowers for your loved ones to enjoy for much longer. In addition to the gallery of flower options to choose from, the book spells out the anatomy of a flower, the materials needed to make paper flowers, and the techniques used for each project. Finally, I want to highlight the library's kitchen collection. The library has specialty bakeware and cooking gadgets available for checkout. Included in the collection are heart-shaped cake pans in a variety of sizes, as well as a heart-shaped cookie cutter set, perfect for baking Valentine's Day treats. This collection is housed at the Centennial Library only, but can be requested for pickup at any Anoka County Library location with a valid library card. To view the entire collection online and place a request, Go to AnokaCountyLibrary.org, click Catalog, then Special Collections, and then Kitchen Collection. We hope you really fall for these library resources. These and many more are available at your local Anoka County Library. Until next time, happy learning. Get those library
0: cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at AnokaCountyHistory.org. Surprise, I'm back. You haven't heard my voice enough this episode. So I'm coming back in. It's been so much fun pulling some of the programs on our bookshelf together to be able to make them more accessible to people. In the past, we'd give a program on one day, and if you weren't able to attend on that one day, you missed it. But in making these recordings, turning them into podcasts, captioning the videos, eventually, uh, we can bring local history to you on your schedule instead of ours, which through winter is Wednesday through Saturday, 10 to 4 p.m. at the History Center. The next things popping up at the museum you won't want to miss. And even if you do, you'll be able to tune in here for them. On March 9th, Cassie and I are giving a program about the history of the Sheriff's Department in Anoka County. Attend in person or via Zoom. It'll be a good time. It's going to be an overview of their history, profiles of a few humans at different p- time periods, and of course, stories of some of the cases and crimes they handled within our borders. Cassie will have a pop-up exhibit finished for you to see as well. Speaking of exhibits, Don is finishing one featuring the United States flag. We have a surprising number of them in the collection, including a rare 42-star flag, but the flag itself... They aren't the point. It's the story behind each one of where and how it was used during that flag-flying life. The point is, drop by and see us sometime. Have a beautiful weekend, and uh, we'll see you around. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras, as well as the latest digital resources at History 21, the Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future.